Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. From Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of organizational resilience and technology. Let's jump right in and meet our guest, Alice Kaltenmark, with Business Continuity Institute, and she serves as the president. Alice, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Vanessa. It's quite an honor to be here. Can you tell our listeners more about you and how you got into the world of business continuity? Gladly. It was, as most of us that get into business continuity, it was an interesting journey. I started out my career as a software engineer and went into management, and then I moved into release management, really enjoyed living in that space between technology and the business and meeting business needs. Fast forward a few years, and an organization change eliminated my role. And the only place left that was uh, suited my skills was in business continuity. And so I went into that job. Didn't know what I was getting into, but then once I got into it and started doing it, primarily focused on disaster recovery as I was in the technology organization, it really became a great fit because it really fed into my love of working with the business as well as staying up on technology. So as I went through my training, it was quite interesting that I learned oh, I've been doing this for years and didn't even know it. So I went through a training for my first certification with another organization, and my instructor actually told me about the BCI, and I was intrigued. Over time, I learned more and more about the BCI, and through the alternate path to membership that was available at the time, I actually then pursued my certification. I liked what was happening. I liked the thought leadership that happened with BCI. I liked the differentiators with what they gave to their members. It was a more rich experience, and I wasn't just paying money to keep letters after my name. I was actually enriching my business. I was enriching my personal development. And so I'm very much about giving back to my profession. I was very active in Continuity Professionals of Ohio, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> um, but I was in the leadership there, and I saw the request for nominations for being a board member of the USA chapter for BCI, and I thought, I'm ready. I'm ready to do something on a larger scale. I've been working at the uh, level in Ohio within my own region, and I was ready to make a difference at the national level. So I threw my name in the hat, and lo and behold, I got elected. And I've not regretted it a day since. It's been a wonderful experience for me to be volunteering for the BCI, to give back to the profession that I truly do love and I'm very passionate about, but also having the ability to make a difference in the professions of colleagues across the globe. And uh, I keep saying yes and getting involved in more and more, and but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy being able to come here to venues like this and be able to share about what I'm passionate about and to give back to what is going on around me and to be part of that thought leadership to take us to where we need to be. Awesome. Well, that is a uh, testament to your leadership, the well, fact you. that your counterparts and other professionals recognize you as the right person to lead the organization. So thank you for what you do for all of us. Well, thank you. So 
For those who do not know what Business Continuity Institute is, what is it? Okay, Business Continuity Institute is, uh, and I'm going to read this from my cheat sheet so I get the facts straight, (laughs) Um, but we're a global membership and certifying organization for business continuity and resilience professionals. We were founded in the UK, predominantly uh, very active in Central Europe, throughout other areas of the globe, but we also have begun to build a strong presence in the U.S. The first chapter in the U.S. was founded, I think, in 2005. We're member-owned. We're not-for-profit professional organization, or association, rather. We have chapters in Asia, Australia, Canada, India, Japan, Nordic, Switzerland, and, of course, the United States. Plus, there's over 50 local forums across the globe. We are, have over 9,200 members in more than 120 countries, working at an estimated 3,000 organizations in private, public, and third sectors. Within the U.S., we have more than 1,200 members. We have a community in the U.S. of over 5,600, but a global community of over 45,000. Our membership grades, which is also for U.S. terms as our certification levels, provide unequivocal assurance of technical and professional competency. So it's a credential that you can be proud of achieving. I, I can't stress enough, it's a certification or credential that is a true testament to what you, your skills are, your experience. One of the foundations of the BCI is the Good Practice Guidelines. It is strongly aligned with ISO 22301 standard. In fact, we have a voice. Many of our members are part of those technical advisory group sessions that feed information in and help shape the um, regulations, not only the ISO standard, but the British standards and other standards across the globe. But we, we are strongly committed to being the thought leaders within the business continuity, but really resilience community. Where we're going with BCI is not just focused only on business continuity. While business continuity is the hub of continuity and resilience, we're recognizing the fact that this is more than just business continuity. It takes a community of resilience practitioners, resilience partners to actually achieve organization resilience. And that is the vision of where we're going to and and not excluding all the other disciplines that come in to make real resilience. So information security, cybersecurity, subtle difference there, but it is important to note that there are differences there. Risk management, emergency management, crisis management, all of these disciplines, and there's many more, I'm just hitting, scratching the surface, but when you look at the full community, that's what it takes to get to true resilience and true organization resilience. We're also about communities. It's about giving back, not only to the profession, but giving back to our communities, helping not only our organizations be resilient, but let's help our communities, our local communities, our national communities to be resilient. So it's not just about us. It's not just about me or my organization. It's about the collective us. Because it's through this collaboration that we actually do make a difference and take us into the future. So as I listen to you talk about BCI and the numerous amount of metrics and folks that you guys have involved, the one word that came to mind for me, you're global. Yes, we are. (laughs) We are. And and that, and we truly are global. And that has been a challenge for us in coming into the U.S. market to really grow the the recognition of BCI within the U.S. um, because we weren't the first ones to come in in this space within the U.S. 
but we are making a huge difference and we are growing every day within the U.S. So for those of you who don't know, I have the pleasure of sitting in front of Alice. We are in Orlando, Florida at the Disaster Recovery Journal Spring 2019 conference. And by the time you guys hear this podcast, her presentation and her workshop will be complete. But I want her to kind of talk about the BCI research report that her and her counterpart will be doing here in Orlando, Florida. Gladly. We are going to be talking about the Continuity and Resilience Report that was published this year. It's the first edition of this report. Um, as part of our thought leadership, we, uh, the BCI publishes several research reports throughout the year. Uh, the Horizon Scan Report is, is one of our longest standing ones, and it's a very critical report that gives that look at uh, what's the threat landscape out on the future, what does the horizon look like. And there's several of the reports, I'm not going to talk about all of those, but with the Continuity and Resilience Report, we really are focusing in on what is happening today in organizations across the globe. And we're looking and we actually are taking out a separate look at how does it resonate within North America. What are companies doing about organization resilience? And it is really becoming more prevalent, as we expected to see, that we're creating centers of excellence or fusion centers is the, the outside the U.S. term. The, but it's looking at those centers of excellence of really diving in and doing the cross-discipline mm -hmm. collaboration between especially risk management, business continuity, and information security, and working together as opposed to working separately in our uh, separate silos, doing the best we can to do fulfill the missions of our teams, but working together to actually better the resilience capability of our organizations. So that is, uh, we're walking through all of that information and giving evidence from uh, what are the research, what are the professionals saying about what's happening in their space? What is the role of technology in making this happen? Is it is it totally technology driven, or is it also business and process people driven? And what we found from the results of the report is it's a blend. The technology is useful to help achieve the results cannot use technology to automate, aggregate data, and get a better picture of what's happening across your organization. But it's also needing that human element. You need the thought leaders that are involved in identifying what are those trends? What do we really need? You need to assess those risks and vulnerabilities for your organization, for your community. What What is a risk for you, and how are you going to deal with that? Technology can only identify things for you. It can't make the decision for you of what you need to do about that. So that's where you need that strong leadership. And for true organization resilience, it, the data shows, as well as anecdotal evidence, that if you don't have true leadership at the most highest level of your organization, you will not actually be successful in driving towards an organization that resilience as a whole. It's the, that senior leaders buy in to understanding what does this mean for my organization? What do I need to be remain viable and to be able to take my company forward? I need to have these people work together. And actually, it's getting those synergies. It's optimizing how your company works together. It's basic business principles, but taking it and really embracing it and, and setting that example for your teams and your staff to say, okay, let's get on with it. Let's get this, let's make this happen. Yeah. So I am an avid 
fan of The Prophet with Marcus Lemonis, and he talks about people, process, and product. After listening to you, my thoughts are people, process, and technology. (laughs) (laughs) Well, being that I come from technology, that's probably a good reason why. (laughs) So let's talk about global organizational resilience. What is that to you? It depends. It depends on what where you're coming from when you ask the question and what does it mean to you. Within the company that I work for in my day job that I actually get paid for, um, <laughs> we are truly a global company. We, we have products and services that we uh, deliver across the globe. Global resilience, I have to pay attention to what's happening all around the world. I have to pay attention to the regulations, the legislation, what's happening within countries with the th- different threats that are out there. It's different. I mean, the U.S., a U.S. perspective, if you only have a national view, your, your threats are going to be different than if you are in the th- midst of intense areas, say the, the Middle East or, or Central Europe or uh, in the U.K. The threats are all different. As, and then in Asia, it's even more different there. So you can't just take a siloed in-country approach. You have to look across the globe. Within our company, and this is part of also the the leadership that comes out from the BCI, is you have to look at things globally, but you act locally. Mm -hmm. So how do you make that blend? I know that's that's somewhat of a cliche in some ways, but it is so true. Have that global awareness, what's happening around you, but then be focused in what you're going to do locally. And that comes into play... um, within business continuity with like site incident management plans, et cetera, that when you get down into the brass tacks of how do you make this happen. But global resiliency is being able to, you know, be prepared that when these things happen, because it's not an if, it's a when, that you already have your response in place. In fact, if you're doing true risk management, you would have identified the threat and avoided any impact before it even occurred. So I heard a pastor call that global. Global and local. <laughs> that's global. that's a great term. Local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thinking about technology, what are the technology resilience challenges as companies continue on the digital transformation path? This is something I'm living and breathing every day within my day job. With digital transformation, especially the adoption of the cloud, um, because it, there, I'm not going to get into all of the business reasons and all the reasons why would you go into the cloud. There's lots of benefits from that, but there's also some fundamental things that got lost in the zeal in, in adopting this new world of how to operate is that you've got to remember the basics. you got to protect your data. Yeah. you got to have a plan. Now that plan needs to be automated because if you're work, if you're in the cloud, you have now set the expectation that you're never down. Well, guess what? It's all bits and bytes running in a data center. Just isn't in your on your premise. It's in somebody else's data center, but it's still bits and bytes, and things happen and mistakes happen. It's called computers do what you tell them to do. And, oh, by the way, it's humans that tell the computers what to do. So there's going to be stuff that happens. Uh, We've learned the hard way that you have to be prepared. And it comes with a cost. So what is that cost? But it's a traditional DR, disaster recovery approach, was, you know, you've got hours to days to recover. You go to a second site, 
you know, and go through all of that and you exercise, which is still valid and actually still very active uh, for those things that have a longer recovery window. So basically a longer outage tolerance. But within the cloud, you have to, it's more, you have to look at it a little differently. And that's what I'm trying to actually evolve within my own company is setting those requirements of how do you, how do you validate that you're resilient? What does mm-hmm. that look like? What does it look like to, it's not a standard DR test. It's actually doing it live. You are doing it with your customer. Uh, now, some the large financial institutions have been doing this for quite a while with running active-active architectures. Yeah. But in the cloud, it's very different because you're not the one touching the machine. Right. And it's not your tools, it's their tools. And how are you doing all this? So it's really, I, the more I dive into it, the more I say it's back to basics. <laughs> but applying those basic principles in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and also learning that, okay, don't be the daysayer, be the can-doer. You know, show, how, okay, I'm not here to tell you what you did wrong. I'm here to tell you how we're going to get to where we need to be. And it's um, and it resonates with the business because at the end of the day, our customers and our business don't really care what happened. They care is my product there. Period. That's yeah. a great great point. So, a uh, couple more questions for you. What is the role of leadership in achieving organizational resilience? I touched on this a little bit before, but it's setting that example. It's setting that example to say this is what it takes. Setting the requirement at that corporate level to say this is what we're going to do. It's not an option. It's a mandatory. We will do this. It's not pitting the disciplines against each other. It's encouraging them to work together and collaborate. It's setting that example of pulling the different people together, the different organizations together, and working it out as one team. Um, within my day job, my company, we've been doing this, and it is making a huge difference. We have come so much farther in the last two to three years when we've really been actively engaging with all of those key um, management disciplines within the company. And we each have our respective deliverables and responsibilities like the information security team there's a lot of things that they're dealing with that it can't be public knowledge it's just a fact but there is learning how they need to engage with the other parties the other disciplines to improve their response so it's learning that oh i really do need to understand what does business continuity do and what how do they play in this i don't have to do it myself all the time mm-hmm. i've got partners that can work with me so it's the leadership at the senior levels and then as you get into each of the disciplines the leadership being willing to work together that it's doesn't have to be just my solution it's our solution it's uh like i said it's not me it's we and I think those are the key things that happen. But again, it's, it's leading by example. It's setting the, the requirements and holding the teams accountable. Strong leadership will identify when smoke is being blown at them and call it like it is. <laughs> I, I had to pause for a minute to make sure that I said it in a better, a good way. Spoken from experience. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's like, you know, uh, raising that uh, BS factor flag, mm. you know, and saying, nah, nah, you're blowing smoke. This is, you know, give me the right answer. It's being 
it's not being a hard taskmaster, but it's being a tough one that expects excellence out of their teams. Wow. So I think about strategy, execution, accountability, Mm -hmm. smart goals. I also think about knowledge and education. If I don't know what I don't know, then I can't have a strategy around it and and help my team to move towards that goal. So that's what I heard when you said those, those things. So do you have any published materials. And as I say this, it's a crazy question because you're BCI. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of things that we've published. (laughs) Where on your website can we find your published materials? Okay. And and actually, thankfully, the website was redesigned and engineered over the last couple of years. And it's very easy to find the knowledge. You go onto the website and there's at the top bar, there's a word said knowledge. You click on that and you can dive into all the research reports. Um, you go into the news section and you can see the blogs. Uh, we've got a very active blogger community, which is great because we're encouraging professionals across the globe to contribute content to the website because that's what makes it even better. It's a member-owned organization. It's a member-run. It's for the members. So be part of the conversation. Awesome. Don't just sit back and say, well, where is this? Well, speak up and be heard. Yeah. And encouraging that and really encouraging the dialogue, the discourse. Not everybody agrees with everybody else. I know it's a shocker, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's allowing the conversation to be had and let the facts speak for themselves. Mm. There's some uh, active discussions in play right now. We also leverage our LinkedIn groups, helping using social media to help get the word out that something's been published and then drawing people back to the website. But it's very easy to find it on the, the and the website is thebci.org. So Awesome. And how can our listeners specifically find you? They can find me, Alice Kaltenmark, uh, via li- LinkedIn. Uh, that's really the best way to find me. And it's just Alice Kaltenmark on LinkedIn. Um, easy to find. Uh, I, in fact, I can guarantee you, I think I am the only Alice Kaltenmark in the U.S. and possibly even in the in the globe, but I can't confirm the, the globe part. But I am the only Alice Kaltenmark in the U.S. I've done the public record search. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very unique. I'm a one of a kind. She's very unique. Uh, awesome. But yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. We have two actions for you. Subscribe and share and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asphalusadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. decoded.